Welcome to another episode of Karis on Crime. I'm your host, Beth Karras. Karis on Crime explores criminal justice issues and cases in the news. As always, I welcome your feedback, your questions, and ideas. You can post them on social media. My Twitter handle is at Beth Karras, and my Facebook page is my name, Beth Karras. Today, I'm happy to welcome back Kurt Brown. He's a staff writer with the Standard Times in New Bedford, Massachusetts, and Kurt followed very closely the case of Michelle Carter, the young Massachusetts woman who ultimately was convicted of involuntary manslaughter in June 2017 for texting her boyfriend, Conrad Roy III, encouraging him to commit suicide three years earlier. She was sentenced on August 3rd, Kurt was in the courtroom for the trial, he was in the courtroom for the sentencing, and now he's going to join us to talk about the sentencing, what was going on in that courtroom, and the community reaction to it. So, welcome again to Cares on Crime, Kurt. Uh, good morning, Beth. It's very nice to talk to you again. Uh, it's been a, a, a crazy uh, a couple of days. Uh, I know I'm dating myself here, but I mean, what happened uh, yesterday in that courtroom and in Taunton, Mass., which is the Shire town of Bristol County, uh, it, it dates back to almost a, a classic uh, 1960s uh, tennis match between Ken Rosewall and Ron Laver, where very powerful, where there were wooden rackets and and powerful uh, uh, um, ground strokes were, were were being played right on the line. The the case. Uh, began uh, pretty promptly around uh, 2 o'clock with uh, some very powerful uh, victim impact statements from family members. Uh, basically, they're said to, uh, they said that there was a hole, there's a hole in their heart. Uh, they spoke about uh, family gatherings and family meetings. Uh, young man, Conrad Roy III, who was 18 years old when he took his own life, his nickname was Coco. Uh, they spoke to him. Uh, the statement spoke repeatedly about how they just don't have Coco around anymore. How family um, gatherings seem to be there seems to be a void in family gatherings. That there is nobody there. His sisters testified how she never uh, doesn't have her big brother there. Um, I mean, so those of us were in the courtroom were reeling from that to. And then the prosecution gets up and, uh, in very strong language, uh, asks for a um, seven, um, uh, no less than seven, nor more than 12 years in state prison. Um, it's important to, to mention here that the uh, maximum sentence for involuntary manslaughter in Massachusetts is 20 and let me ask you, Kurt, yeah. that she, this was a juvenile court proceeding because she was only 17 when it That's happened. She's correct. 20 now. So the judge had an option of like, giving her maybe some juvenile detention till she was 21 and then adult prison, but he, he just banged her with adult prison, right? He, he had the option of giving her house of correction time or state prison time. Um, in all my reporting of this case, uh, I, I've spoken to many retired judges, uh, many retired prosecutors. Uh, everyone has said that she is not a suitable candidate for the state prison sentence, that uh, 
if she went into the state prison system, the only thing that she would learn is how to be a better criminal, that uh, the level of rehabilitative services uh, would not be there. Uh, so, it would, go well, ahead. Well, let's, let's just um, we'll review the sentence that she did get, though, because it, it, the de- defense wanted probation. The state asked for correct. 7 to 12. And and the, and and the defense's argument was uh, was bizarre too that they wanted zero jail time and they wanted her on five years of probation. So in other words, she would be back in the home with her mother and father, who uh, and she was texting uh, um, back in uh, 2013 and 2014. This is where it all happened, um, and. So she would be back in that kind of home life. And her the uh, prosecutors mentioned that her parents just don't get the severity of it. So it raises the question of whether or not that would be a suitable place for her to rehabilitate. So you have this these two extremes. And uh, one, the prosecution side that wanted state prison uh, and the defense that wanted basically home confinement. Um, and the judge stepped in, and the judge, uh, after he recessed, uh, he came in, and I think his sentence was uh, was on the mark. He um, he gave her um, a, uh, a two and a half year sentence to the House of Correction, uh, which would be thirty months months um, fifteen months to be served, the remaining fifteen months to be suspended for five years. That means that if she, after she served 15 months, if she, uh, and then she was released from the county correctional facility, if she got into any trouble or violated the terms of her probation, that she would immediately go back to the county jail and finish up the remaining 15 months. Uh, but but it was a two and a half year sentence, fifteen months incarceration, the balance suspended. Wouldn't a violation of probationary conditions uh, get her possibly more time the the entire two and a half years, not just up to fifteen months? Well, she would be serving the uh, part of that two and a half. She would have served. She would not be released until she had served the first fifteen months. And then, while she was, if when she was out, if she committed any other uh, infractions of her probation or committed any other crimes, she would go, most likely go back and complete the remaining fifteen months. They would not add time on to it. Right. Okay. So the balance was another fifteen months. I hadn't done the math. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. okay. All right. So there were a lot of conditions. I mean, there were. Well, well, I mean, we we all watched, you know, the uh, the sentencing, so we know like, that it was stayed. That it was the execution of sentence, meaning she's not going to jail immediately. Right. Was stayed pending at least her her Commonwealth or state appeals. That is correct. Now, the experts that I have talked to uh, in Massachusetts, she is convicted of uh, Michelle Carter is convicted of manslaughter. Manslaughter convictions go to the state appeals court. There is a level above the state appeals court called the state supreme judicial court. The experts that I have talked to said that the first indication about the seriousness of this appeal will be if the state supreme judicial court steps in and takes the case away from the appeals court and decides to hear it themselves rather than um, having it go to the appeals appellate court. Um, 
I, the appeal has not been filed yet. It is anticipated that it will be filed within uh, the next 30 days. Um, I would think the uh, it would get to the appellate courts in Massachusetts oh, probably sometime oh, the, this coming winter. Right, because they have to file a notice of appeal, then get That's the trial correct. record and, and write the briefs and all. And you, you, you submit the brief, and then the, the Commonwealth gets to right. respond, and then there's a reply. Right. So it's a long, it's a long process. Uh, but what did the legal experts in Massachusetts tell you about Michelle Carter's chances on appeal? The Supreme Judicial Court, your highest court, mm-hmm. has reviewed uh, this case once before trial mm-hmm. and found it there was probable cause to go forward on this crime of involuntary Correct. manslaughter. So what are the chances that the high court would change its mind? I, I, I'm not sure that they would be changing their mind. I think they looked very narrowly at the issue of probable cause. I don't think the, the appeal would be brought on the grounds of um, that her First Amendment rights were violated. So let's go back to the day, the night that this happened, July 13, 2014. They uh, they were on the phone. The pivotal moment in this case is when Michelle Carter tells Conrad Roy III, get back in the truck. The truck, the cab of the truck is now filling with carbon monoxide. For some reason, we don't know why, he has gotten out of the truck. She tells him to go back in. And he does go back in, and eventually he dies. Uh, the defense's argument is that this is just words, words with no presence, additionally, no threats, that she was 35 to 40 miles away, and they're having this phone conversation um, over their cell phones. There is no way that she could uh, uh, affect a threat against him, no way that she could carry it out. So, I mean, that is going to be one of the main arguments of the uh, of the defense. Uh, the defense said yesterday that um, this had serious implications um, for the First Amendment. Uh, Massachusetts is very sensitive to it. If um, the defense cannot find a receptive ear, um, this case could very well wind up in the U.S. Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Now, the, in in court at the sentencing, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, the judge heard from family members of the deceased, yes. of the victim. They did not hear from Michelle Carter, although mm-hmm. she probably had a right to make a statement. And there were letters submitted to the court in support of Michelle Carter. Mm-hmm. But nobody spoke. Do you know why? Did they have a right to speak? In some courts, it's it's really just victim impact, not the defense side. I, I don't know. I have a theory, and the theory is that it, uh, there were two or three references to it that a civil lawsuit has been filed um, against Michelle Carter's family. Um, and, and the... Uh, who had filed it? I, it would lead you to believe it's Conrad Royd's family, but I believe that there uh, that that might have been the reason for it. That also might have been the reason why um, Michelle Car- during the trial Michelle Carter's mother was scheduled to testify, 
she was scheduled to be the last witness, and the defense decided at the last minute that not to call her to testify. That would that is my uh, thought about it. It's time for a break. You're listening to Karis on Crime. I'm your host, Beth Karis. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Karis on Crime. I'm your host, Beth Karras, and I'm speaking with Kurt Brown. He's a staff writer at the Standard Times in New Bedford, Massachusetts. We're talking about the sentencing of Michelle Carter. She was convicted of involuntary manslaughter for texting her boyfriend, Conrad Roy, in 2014 to commit suicide, and that indeed he did. The judge presided over her trial, and he sentenced her to two and a half years in prison, but that sentencing is stayed uh, while she appeals this, at least through the state level. So what was the community reaction to the sentencing? I could see when the camera panned the the public gallery uh, now and then that it was a packed courtroom, so there was a lot of interest. I I feel very sad for for the for the Roy family. I mean, they left the courthouse uh, soon after the judge had stayed the sentence. Uh, you can tell they were quite upset that there was some bitterness. Uh, they were angry, uh, but they desperately want closure, and there was no closure forthcoming. Uh, for the whole issue of closure is. Um, for lack of a better word, uh, kick down the road a piece. Uh, it was interesting in uh, uh, regarding Michelle Carter that the defense attorney said that she was accepted into college. Uh, uh, he said that uh, she did not go to college because of the um, publicity from this case. Um, he said that she is trying to better herself uh, by taking online real estate courses in the hope of eventually getting uh, her real estate license. Uh, but then he made a very telling statement. He said that the uh, publicity from this case is just going to haunt Michelle Carter for the rest of her life. And I, I I think that is just so, so true. I mean, this is a young lady slash uh, convicted felon. I don't want to give the appearance that I'm siding one way or the other, because I, I don't, uh, who just has a huge road ahead of her. She has to somehow prove herself. I, on the way in this morning, I was almost thinking that prison may be, or not prison, but house of correction time may be one way for her to prove herself. Uh, but she has to find that vehicle to do that. She um, she has to try to move on from this, and it, it's, it's going to be very, very hard for her to do that. Uh, I've had some people mention to me that uh, she will most likely have to change her name and to move to a different part of the country. I've had other people tell me she should also think about plastic surgery. There are just so many haters out there. And this is a world now that largely revolves around social media. And um, that's, that's on social right. media, she is just getting killed. Her, her digital footprint is immense, and it will never be erased. It can never. be for some people who have maybe one incident that really doesn't get too much play. But, mm. um, you know, in terms of changing her look, I mean, 
I, not to be insensitive or anything, but she has a very distinctive look with her very her very thick eyebrows, and that yeah, that sure. at a minimum she needs to change because that would change her appearance. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 not advocating for that whatsoever. I'm just uh, I'm I'm mentioning that as a, as the the level of change that uh, needs to happen. What what what's the community reaction? Not not just the courtroom, but have you had a chance? Um, I know as we are talking, not much time has passed since the sentencing. But is the is the community supportive? I know there's a lot of hate out there on social media, but these are people all over. What about the community where you 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 live and report on where this happened? They they want to hang her. There's an awful lot of anger in the community. Um, there was just outrage, uh, and it all stems from those text messages that she uh, she sent to to uh, Conrad Roy. That uh, people that people want her thrown in jail for the rest of her life. Um, the, the 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 hate level and the anger level in this case is just immense. Now the judge set a lot of conditions on her, not just the usual conditions mm-hmm. uh, for probation when that happens, but actually she's now on probation because he stayed execution of the mm-hmm. incarceration portion of her sentence. Her probation begins now, so mm-hmm. she can't leave the the Commonwealth of Massachusetts without permission. She's got to get forty eight hours notice if like she changes her address. Mm-hmm. Um, she, but I curiously, she has to stay away from the Roy family, witnesses who testified at the trial. Mm-hmm. But I didn't see him tell her to stay off social media. Um, that, that's a pre-existing condition that I think still applies. The, the other thing, too, is um, she used to have no contact with the witnesses in the case. And many of the witnesses in the case were um, her classmates. Uh, so she has been isolated from them. I see. Okay, so she's got to find new friends. Mm, yeah, yeah, she does. She can't leave the state. She cannot acquire a, a passport. The judge was adamant that she in no way will be able to do anything to profit from this. Oh, yes. That was interesting. That was one of the things that he said at the end. That was a special condition. I guess, does Massachusetts not have a son of Sam law? And maybe if they do, it wouldn't have applied to her. But this is after the um, David Berkowitz son of Sam Mm -hmm. case, which, by the way, is 40 years this year. This month of August is 40 years since he was arrested. And he had a reign of terror for about a year and a half, shooting couples, killing several in New York City. Anyway, um, Son of Sam laws arose out of that mm-hmm. uh, saying that you cannot profit, basically what the That's judge right. said, from your crime by mm-hmm. selling the story and publishing a book and movie mm. rights or whatever. It, I don't know if he was just repeating the law or made it more strict than than your existing law if you have one, but she can't do anything. He, she can't get any benefit. To me, it sounds like she can't make a TV appearance where you don't get paid for mm-hmm. news appearances, but... If they sent her a fruit basket and a car service to take her to a TV studio, that's a benefit. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure, but it, I mean, he really made it pretty um, strict. My, my impression was financial benefit. Um, and I would hope that that could be revisited because I'm all about people being given second chances and rehabilitating themselves. Um, and... I would, and some kind of a book, 
would be one way to do it. Um, and she could arrange it so that she doesn't benefit from the profits, that the profits go to suicide awareness. Um, but, well, I don't but, think that that would uh, violate um, the terms. I do not of... either. But as, like I mentioned to you, she needs a vehicle and a method to just prove herself. And the road ahead of her is, is is a very long one. It's going to be years, not months, and it's very bumpy and it's full of potholes and landmines. Have you ever spoken to her? I have not. The uh, once in court, uh, she gave me a look, and we we made eye contact for a few seconds. But her attorney has uh, uh, prevented uh, access to both her and her family. I see. So what's next now? I guess we're just waiting for the Appeals. notice of appeal and then the appeal to be filed, and we'll just be tracking the case. Mm-hmm. That is correct, yep. Uh, we will see what happens in the next month. Uh, it, the, the, the appeal will be very interesting. What grounds did they uh, uh, specify in, in their filings for, for the appeal? Um, the Joseph Cataldo, the defense lawyer, when he was meeting with the media yesterday afternoon, he mentioned that, uh, the First Amendment issue, but then he seemed to stop himself. And it was almost like he didn't want to poke the bear. And my impression was that he might believe that there were some procedural errors by the judge. Um, and I was thinking about it yesterday, the judge in her, his finding of guilt mentioned that she had a duty to call. But my recollection is that Mass does not have a good Samaritan law. And no, I don't think it does. I don't know that any state does. And he did call it a self-created, I think he said a self-created duty. Yes. And that may be problematic, I agree. Yeah, maybe. And But I would just throw that out as, as food for uh, fodder. Oh, I don't know. It's such a troubling case. I definitely it sure is. See there are just sides. no winners here. No, no. I see both sides. Well, we will definitely be tracking this, and I do hope that you keep us surprised if you hear of any uh, any news mm-hmm. coming out of the community related to the case. Um, she's not on house arrest, though. No, she is not. Okay. She huh. uh, she is able to go uh, throughout the community. Uh, I, th- I think it'll be uh, difficult for her. Um, she cannot be anonymous anywhere she goes. Um, she has a very distinctive appearance. Uh, she's easily recognizable. So, um, so we will see what happens. Right, we will. Well, I want to thank you very much, Kurt Brown. Staff writer for the Standard Times in New Bedford, Massachusetts, for joining Karis on Crime and explaining the latest in the sentencing of Michelle Carter, who just received a two and a half year sentence, 15 months to be served in a house of correction. That's the county jail, not state prison. That stayed pending her appeal. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you for your time. All right. And I want to thank all of you for listening to this latest episode of Karis on Crime. Send me your questions and ideas. Post them on Karis on Crime, if you're a member, on the forum or on social media. I have a Twitter handle of at uh, Beth Karis, and my Facebook page is my name, Beth Karis. Till the next time, be well. <laughs>